Welcome to the second series of our podcast, The New Realities of Cybersecurity. I'm your host, Abigail Wilson, a consultant from our cybersecurity practice. Each episode, we're going to be inviting two of our colleagues along who are experts in their fields to discuss what they do here and what they're focusing on at the moment in the ever-changing world of cybersecurity. Today's guests joining us are Louise Taggart and Rachel Mullen from our Cyber Threat Intelligence team, and they're here to tell you more about their work and what interesting stuff they've been up to at the moment. Thanks for joining us. Um, to start with, I thought it'd be great if you could introduce yourselves to our listeners. Great. Thank you, Abby. Um, my name is Louise Taggart, and I'm a manager in our threat intelligence team. Uh, and I have a particular focus on strategic and geopolitical analysis. Hi, I'm Rachel Mullen. I'm the strategic lead for our threat intelligence team. I work with some of our clients to help them build, design, and develop their threat intelligence capabilities, as well as, uh, like Lou, also doing some of the geopolitical analysis of the threats that we track. Um, so Rachel, it'd be great if you could tell me um, wh what sort of the key trends that you've been looking at over the last year. Um, what have you been observing and what's caught your eye? Uh, I think what, for me, one of the big things has been financially motivated cyber attacks. Um, we work really closely with our incident response team and a lot of the incidents we've been called out um, to deal with have had a lot of that uh, going after the money um, feel to them. Uh, this includes a lot of uh, increasing prevalence in business email compromise where attackers try to get in between uh, transfers of money between organizations. It could be the payment of invoices, for example. And the attacks we're seeing are ranging from tens of thousands of pounds upwards uh, and using slightly different techniques as well. Some of them are considerably more sophisticated. We've also seen an increasing number of incidents uh, from financially motivated, what we would call threat actors, um, and that they're targeting, uh, particularly the hospitality and retail sectors have had um, quite a number of um, incidents uh, happen in the, the past year. Great, thanks. So Louise, um, what are the sort of key trends that you've been observing over the past year? So one of the hot topics that I think has remained in the news over the past few months is um, election hacking, which is a, a bit of an umbrella term, but sort of broadly speaking, refers to um, malicious cyber adversaries targeting three different aspects of democratic processes. So that might be, for example, targeting the elections themselves, so perhaps altering voter data. It might be the targeting of specific political parties or politicians uh, with the intention of discrediting campaigns or it might be the use of disinformation or misinformation, um, which is the so, sort of so-called fake news, which is used to manipulate uh, voters' opinions. Um, this is something that's, that's obviously been in the media quite a lot over the past few months, um, but we're now actually beginning to see increased scrutiny of the voting machines and the systems behind them as well. So that's an interesting point, and I guess that ties into sort of more widely um, supply chain compromises. Um, Rachel, I'm wondering if you'd like to sort of add to that. Sure, we've seen uh, supply chain uh, risks uh, in cyber attacks for quite a while now, uh, particularly where organizations are worried about um, who they're working with and how they connect within uh, from the, between their organizations. Uh, Operation Cloudhopper we released about over a year ago now, uh, which was a global cyber espionage campaign targeting IT managed service providers. And we're continuing to see a lot of the um, uh, targeting of the supply chain in the, the work that we do um, and the threat actors we track. Um, so it's definitely is still something that is out there and happening. Yeah, definitely. This type of threat activity definitely poses a big challenge for organizations. I wonder if you can kind of, um, either of you elaborate on that. Um, does this mean that they should re-engage with threat intelligence, given this sort of increase in um, threat behavior? I think one of the interesting things about supply chain risk is that 
we're seeing from the organisations that we're dealing with that a lot of them are, are lacking a lot of confidence in the, in the organisations they're working with, or at least they're exhibiting um, some concern about maybe the incidents and how they're being dealt with if, if incidents are occurring, or even uh, an understanding of what would happen if an incident was to occur. So we get clients come to us a lot of the time, almost looking for that independent view of has an incident been dealt with appropriately? Um, how, what would the supply chain risk be and how would it work? And that's where threat intelligence can play a really interesting part because we, we obviously are tracking a large number of threat actors that would potentially target various industries across the globe uh, and supply chains are really interesting and often considered a low-hanging fruit, um, as it were. Uh, so the idea that you go after the target that might be slightly easy to get into, which may or may not in fact be the case. Definitely. And Louise, um, drawing back on the sort of wider geopolitical influences on cyber um, attack activity, what does it mean for organisations in terms of sort of election hacking? Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's an important distinction, distinction to make. So election hacking obviously specifically targets democratic processes. Um, but actually a lot of the techniques or tools that are used in this kind of activity are actually sector agnostic. Um, and are therefore pertinent to a variety of other organisations or sectors as well. Um, so, for example, this might be the use of spear phishing emails, for example, so targeting a specific individual or, or spoofed emails. Um, when it comes to disinformation or so-called fake news, um, one, of the, one of the things to think about is also the use of bots. So these are um, social media accounts, for example, that are actually driven by a computer script rather than a legitimate human user. And these can be used to flood social media with specific hashtags. Um, and this is a really interesting way that actually an attacker could potentially damage the reputation of an organisation without having to do any technical hacking. Great. So it sounds like the geopolitical influences on um, attack activity, it's a, it's a great chance for organisations to kind of self-reflect on their own defences and sort of take action as they need to. Um, I'm wondering, um, back to Rachel, if you have anything to add to that in terms of the level of sophistication that you're seeing sort of act, um, attackers using? I think one of the interesting points that we're seeing is that the sophistication of uh, threat actors that are financially motivated has also increased. Um, and they're using a lot of the techniques that most people would typically associate with the more advanced persistent threats or espionage style attacks. Um, and that's affecting a lot of organisations that might previously have um, not considered themselves to be a particular, um, a, a particular th uh, risk. Um, so for example, financial services organisations have long had um, fairly uh, defence in depth approaches because they're dealing with various different threat actors, but we're starting to see a bit of a shift so that obviously financially motivated um, crime can also target a number of other sectors and retail um, and consumer as well as hospitality have been a, a sectors that have been particularly affected in the last year last year and we're seeing that they're having to put in place a lot more uh, controls and get a lot more visibility around what can be fairly complicated networks um, to get an understanding of if they are being attacked and if they are, what's happening. Sounds like um, organisations will definitely be uh, facing challenges ahead. Looking to, looking to the future, do you have any specific predictions for the year ahead? For me, I think one of the, the interesting things is going to be the living off the land. So it's been around for a little while, uh, but the, 
it's certainly something that's not going away and it continues to occur. And that's about a threat actor getting in and compromising a network. Uh, but it's not always just about the way in. Sometimes it's they find another, they've gone in through more traditional methods, something like spear phishing. And then once they're in, they're moving around using like legitimate processes or legitimate tools, um, legitimate systems, which makes it considerably harder for an organization to identify and detect. Um, and that means that organizations are having to employ uh, much more interesting techniques in how to identify behavior that perhaps is anomalous rather than uh, clearly uh, malicious. So your typical traditional um, approaches are no longer working and that's why you see quite a lot of talk about things like threat hunting, for example. Interesting, interesting. So it sounds like the attackers don't necessarily have to use sophisticated methods to compromise an organization, but now we're finding that organizations have to use quite sophisticated defense measures in order to sort of detect and respond to that. Exactly. Um, Louise, looking to your future and the work that you're doing, do you have any um, predictions for the year ahead? Yeah, I think one of the trends that we're expecting to see um, become even more obvious over the next few months is the alignment between malicious cyber activity and the sort of the wider geopolitical landscape. So this is something that we are, in fact, already seeing. Um, but I think activity linked to things like um, the imposition of sanctions, for example, or perhaps diplomatic tensions or trade deals is something that's going to be coming to the fore even more in the in the public eye than it has done previously. I think, Louise, we've already seen some uh, direct correlation between uh, some of the uh, things like sanctions on attacks that have been even identified within the, the media. So you think, uh, things like ex attacks on cryptocurrency exchanges or some of the banking infrastructure around the world. And you could, that's got some very um, clear geopolitical links. And there's a, quite a lot more being uh, said more widely about things like that. Mm -hmm. So today we've covered financially motivated attacks and the wider geopolitical influences on the activity that you guys observe in the threat intelligence team. Um, are there any other areas of focus you could tell me about? Anything you're looking to write about in the next few months? From my perspective, I think one of the trends I'll be keeping a, a sort of an eagle eye on is um, the number of connected devices that we're seeing coming to the market. There's been a, a variety of statistics sort of thrown around about this, but it is estimated that there's going to be over 20 billion connected things by 2020. And that, to my mind, is frankly a sort of a fairly mind-blowing statistic. Um, one of the concerns around this is that fairly often these uh, connected devices are not designed with security kind of front of mind. Um, and often the, the market that they're sold to, um, the consumers aren't necessarily also putting security at the front of their own mind. So I think it'll be interesting to see how this part of the threat landscape develops over the next few months. I think it's particularly interesting, Louise, as well, that like countries are trying to grapple with this concept of how do they deal with uh, a set of devices that aren't really built with security in mind, but also then try to encourage users to buy those same devices. And that's certainly an interesting conversation that's been had in a number of countries. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's going to have to be a, a bit of a multi-pronged attack to addressing this kind of threat. So whether it is through governments and their approach to regulating this kind of market, or whether it's about trying to improve and, and educate um, the audience and consumers as well. Oh, some great points there. Um, thanks again, guys, for joining us today. It was great talking to you both. Thanks for listening to the second series of our podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing about what our experts have been working on recently and how they view their recent challenges, as well as what they predict will be in store in the near future. If you have any questions about what we do here in cybersecurity, please reach out to our guests on LinkedIn or send me a message on Twitter at SecuritySwan. <laughs>